Indispensable is a podcast focused on hearing about the business truths, tools, and tips others can't do without. After interviewing hundreds of people for their LinkedIn profiles and talking with thousands of people looking to use professional platforms more strategically, I've had the pleasure of meeting and getting to know people that lead, create, and engage within their companies and in their communities with great intention, abundance, focus, and sheer grit. I want to share their stories so that you can gain insight from a variety of people, not just the podcast and tech rock stars that have become household names. Rather, let's focus on the people whose stories influence those around them, and maybe even you. Everyone has indispensable truths, tools, and tips, even if they haven't realized it yet. And while this podcast isn't about LinkedIn and how to use it, it may weave its way in from time to time. It is, after all, our favorite platform for networking and doing business. Come, join us, and get to know some of my colleagues, clients, friends, and neighbors. Welcome, everyone. We're so excited to have you back today, and I'm excited to share insight from our guest, Matt Cullity, who is the owner of ProSightly. He is a digital strategist, and I've known Matt for quite some time now and have worked with him on one of our ongoing projects, and it's been a great delight, and I've learned a lot from Matt. So I'm excited to share um, Matt's insight with you today. Welcome, Matt. Thanks, Colleen. I'm uh, happy to be here. And uh, as a frequent listener of your podcast, I feel honored to be invited on as a guest. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Great. Thanks. And, you know, it's always interesting because when Matt and I get together to talk about the project we're working on, it always sort of diverts we we kind of go off script for a little bit don't we matt and we talk about podcasts yeah. that we like books that we like <laughs> uh people that we Absolutely. know in common that we admire so um matt and i can have lots of different conversations during the time that he's at our office or on a call with us so matt let's just jump in and sort of talk um and share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and the work that you do yeah so um I, I originally started um, uh, owning my own business as a freelancer, um, as a web designer. Um, my like original, I guess, proposition or assumption that I made um, to, to start a business around was that I felt I could build a website cheaper than what you know a typical marketing agency was doing. Um, and and build it better than what um, a business owner could do in like Squarespace or um, Wix or one of those build your own websites. Um, so that was kind of like the first assumption that I tested uh, in the market when I started building websites, and it seemed to to really work well. I, I felt like my clients were getting a lot for um, for the value, like for the value that they were paying me to do it. Um, and then from there, I sort of built services that accompanied um, your website. So the, the first logical one was um, to start doing uh, host, like to start actually hosting and managing my clients' websites so that um, they could start with a small website with the content 
that they had um, right off the bat and then evolve it over time. Um, so kind of like making small investments in your your website over time will eventually lead to like a big um, site map uh, that has SEO uh, and and rapport with with Google and that you don't have to spend those six or seven months planning that whole thing out. Um, I allow you to be kind of like agile and uh, and lean with your website and your business as it grows and and turns into what it what it becomes. So that's kind of like my business in a nutshell. But um, I know you you always have been interested in in my, in my my background, I guess, in education and how I've like built my skill set. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, you have like this crazy like combination of left brain and right brain all woven together. And um, what I've always appreciated is how you come to the project, both functionally, like, okay, this is what has to happen, but then weaving in the business aspect, and then you have a really strong aesthetic. So talk about your education and then how you wove it together. Yeah, so I, I, was, really, uh, I was really into art and design in high school. And I always thought that that was what I would kind of pursue as a career. But when I got to college, I sort of started looking at like, looking ahead at the business landscape and, 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 and thought that, okay, so graph, I would, I would probably become a graphic designer because I did have like a good, um, creative sense and, 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 uh, and the work that I was doing always seemed to look nice. And, um, but I just felt like that was kind of limited in what I could do in the, in the working world. So I ended up switching majors to computer information systems because I felt like technology was kind of the future of where everything was headed. And I wanted to learn that side of, uh, of I wanted to learn a, a different industry and then kind of merge my, kind of like my talent with more of like a um, like a knowledge base of how computers and technology worked. And, um, and so when I, when I got my degree in computer information systems, I didn't feel like on paper, it was hard to tell that story to an employer that like, Oh, I can, you know, I'm creative, but I also understand computers. There really wasn't like a, a job for that. Um, okay. So I, so I got, so I, the, the college I went to Elon university had a, interactive media program that really kind of that was their that was kind of their cell like the things you would be learning are kind of leading edge uh it's this mix of visualization graphic design video production and then also web development or user experience design um and they kind of tried to connect those dots um and 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 so that's what i think i do really well for my clients is i connect the dots between uh, design technology and then your your business like how does how do those two things fit into your business uh, to accomplish the goals you want to accomplish um, uh, like through digital um, avenues I guess like so through your website or through social profiles and and that that needs to have a consistent look and feel and and functionality across the board um, and most small businesses don't really have that in-house um, so they have to go somewhere and I try to make that affordable and as easy to work with as, as possible 
And uh, I think that's why we've had success with in our relationship, um, mm-hmm. working together and working on your website and just um, what the things that I, I make some things possible that might not be possible otherwise. Um, because there's so much content being created on the web in terms of lead generation and and how you deliver your your services to 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 your clients um yeah I can, we we've kind of opened up new doors i think right and when you think about um sort of how we've approached our website in tarotadvisory.com. Right. It's been, you know, that website was developed, you know, uh, and launched probably four mm-hmm. years ago, but we've, you and I've worked to, and you've led the way, like iterating. So as you were describing your business in the beginning, I think what is super important for small businesses is not to do this overall rebranding every couple of years or maybe a new website every couple of years, but freshening it up and re you know, continually iterating it. And those small changes over time become something new, right? And, and some of the, the, and you and I have talked about this a lot, like, What's the marketing stack that we're using? What's the tech stack that we're using? And um, for the listeners, one of the things Matt um, has actually said about me is that I probably use more tools than maybe some other people or a lot of other people that he's ever noticed because I like those objects, right? And But I think it's always important to be looking at what those other platforms and tools are that we can be that can be woven into a website to make the website more efficient or create a better user experience. And what I love is your focus on the user experience piece. I think you've brought a lot of that to us. So share with everyone, like how you think about user experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty, um, it's, it's pretty simple. I think you just have to put yourself in the shoes of the user. And I know that's you know, easy to say. And, 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 but really what you're going to, what you do is you make enough, you, you really, you have, I think you have to be honest with your, yourself and your team when you start doing user experience um, design or um, brainstorming essentially like that you are making assumptions about your user and that those assumptions need to be tested and then you iterate on top of that. So that's like a, a core, like lean framework um, or agile development framework. You build, then you, you build based on assumptions, you measure using analytics or just talking to your users. And then um, you, you learn from that and then you go through that loop again. Um, and you do that as fast as you possibly can so that you get closer to what your users want um, as, as fast as possible. Um, so like, I think the idea of, of you making assumptions because a lot, of, I think a lot of people or, or business owners think that they, they totally know their client and they, they, they probably do better than anyone, but you don't know for sure until you test those ideas. And a lot of times, um, you know, there might be disruptive technology in your industry that, you're not really seeing. And if you're not um, consistently testing new tools and, and, and new ways that um, to connect with your users, then uh, you might miss it and you, you could miss the boat. 
entirely. And that's what kind of happens. That's why a lot of clients have to do these big redesigns every, you know, four or five years because they weren't in a position to be making those, those iterations um, based on what they were seeing. Hmm. So like in terms of, yeah. So in terms of tools that I I know you're probably going to ask me this later, Mm -hmm. but we've, we've implemented some, we've implemented some front end tools on your website that allow us to make design changes quicker than uh, if we had to write like new, new code or something like that. And, and open source software, like especially WordPress and the, and the plugins and the, the library of things that we can have access to quickly make, make, makes all this possible really. And so do you actually suggest that um, to your clients, find a group of people, have them go through your website and then provide feedback? Yeah. And a lot of times they've already, they've already done that. And and then they call them, they Mm. bring me in. So they know already that like, like we need to implement these things and then they don't really have the in-house skills to do that. And then, and then, you know, I make it a point after I come in and we build some of these things is that, um, you know, everything that you've kind of laid out for me are, again, we, we need to test those after I implement them. So however, we're going to get feedback either through just, you know, through reviews or if we're looking at the analytics on, I mean, that's a, a huge piece, I think, to this is to have software in place that's um, telling you where your web traffic is coming from. Is it, is it all direct through social channels or do you already have an organic piece to, um, to this? Like I know for, for Intero, a lot of your traffic is coming through um, from your blog posts and stuff and through organic search, um, which is phenomenal. Um, and then to, to kind of monitor how that, how those statistics um, are affected by the changes that you make on on the front end, or or when you implement a new tool, um, is it is it leading to just more page views and not you know actual form submissions or or lead generation? Um, you know you can go and I mean this that this topic is you can go down a couple of different rabbit holes, but I think just just testing um, and being able to track changes through through data is is really important and so that that's always a piece that i you know recommend we implement when we make any sort of change that you know we need to to look at you know the baseline and then uh, evaluate after we make changes right and i think you've done a really great job with us um sarah and i especially about like okay looking and seeing what's happening behind the scenes and we've definitely implemented some new tools like intercom um and and others um that have really kind of helped direct us and I think that's important. Um, what's also kind of interesting to me is, um, and we should share with our audience that I saw a website that you designed. Um, I was looking at somebody else's website, scrolled down to the bottom mm-hmm. to the footer, saw that you designed it, reached out to you. The first time we met was on a Saturday morning in Panera. And I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I need help with something. Uh, we're launching a new membership site. And I've got the framework, but I need somebody that I can actually sit down with and talk to and finish this up with. And that's how Matt and I actually started working. And 
what was interesting to me was the framework was kind of built out and worked with another group um, remotely. And while they did a great job, in the end, when you're doing something, whether it's a membership like we were working on together or the you know main business website, what I have found to be a huge differentiator is just sit, being able to sit down, looking at somebody and working on it together because they're it's so much easier to get where you need to go and do those inter, um, iterations more easily and effectively when we're in the same room. What's your thought yeah, on that? And I, I, yeah, I think it just makes, it's more comfortable for you knowing that you can like look the person in the eye who's going to be uh, kind of like um, making a lot of these, these changes or, or finishing off a project or, or starting a new project that you can, there's a, there's a, there's an aspect of uh, like, it's more, it becomes more tangible, I think, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you're working with um, a remote provider, um, it can be, it, it can be great, but you, you're, you're, you're communicating all through, you know, chat boxes and, um, and through different software. And it just, it's, it doesn't have this like concrete feeling I found, um, where, where you just don't get the same sense of, uh, comfort when you're, you don't, you can't, you can't sit in the same room and talk through a really complicated issue with, um, so I think that's what's, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. That's what's helped us kind of get to where we are now. Because um, I want to say, how how long had you been working on Inside before I was brought on? Probably four months. Four months. Okay. okay. But where we took it, right, where we took it um, was we moved much faster, got a whole lot more done um, right. and kind of finished it off. Right. I think it, yeah. that w- was, was really huge. And I think when you're doing something, depending on the site, I mean, this is, was a membership site, so it has its own inherent model to it that is different. Right. And we had to make a lot mm-hmm. of decisions along the way and still are, because we're actually, if you think about it, right, we're in iteration three or four on this and, sure. yeah. and, and more. constantly yeah. yeah, or more and to not only make it more user-friendly, but, and stronger and more aesthetically pleasing and all of these things. But um, it's, it's, you've got to keep everything like one thing relates to another and just the things that are necessary to have in a membership site takes a lot of conversation. It's not just do this, right? Because you do one thing and something else happens. I think we have a much better, we have a really good grasp grasp now of, of what it actually is. Um, You know, it's a, it's a membership site, but yeah, all those different, all the different variables that go into to that membership site um, take up like a little piece of your brain. And if you can't talk through all those and how they all like interrelate, um, you know, with a team of actual people, it can kind of become um, like amb- ambiguous, right? Like, or, or it doesn't have, uh, you don't have as much direction of what it could become or what you want it to be. Um, and I think then that translates 
to the user. Like I think a user can kind of feel that when they're using a digital product, if it's not, if it doesn't have the cohesiveness um, that it needs to have, especially on an e-learning platform. I think when somebody, you know, is trying to learn a new tool through, through a, through your website, they're trying to learn a website through a website. And if that isn't um, convincing to the user and they can't digest the content in an effective way, they're not, they're ultimately not going to learn in your case, LinkedIn um, in a, in a timely, in any sort of timely fashion. And then it's not going to be worth their time or money. So I think that's what, um, you know, that kind of sums up. Yeah. I think that that makes sense. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And we're going to actually um, do a, another podcast with Matt and Sarah and Sarah's on our team. She's um, does all of the work on making sure that this podcast gets out. Um, she is really the community manager for inside. So we're going to, the three of us are going to do a podcast and over the next couple of weeks yep. just to talk about that. So I want to get back to your business and, Sure. I also want to talk about with you, how do you keep learning? Because every once in a while, I'll throw something out. I'll be like, hey, what about this? And you're like, oh, yeah, well, you don't want to go in that direction. So there's so much in terms of digital strategy yeah. and digital tools and products and, you know, software and apps. How do you stay current? So when I when I'm looking at using or implementing a new digital product into a client's, you know, arsenal or website, I make sure that they have um, like a really good knowledge base so that no matter what comes up in, in our use case, it's going, there's going to be documentation on how to solve those problems. Um, and then I familiarize myself with those, um, with that material so that, I can become the expert for my client um, so that they don't have to take the time to become the expert in a tool that um, they didn't really choose themselves. Right. So in terms of like continued learning, I'm, I'm always, it seems like I'm always reading through documentation um, and, and most digital products know that that's a piece of the, the puzzle for them to be successful. So a lot, they, most of them, have uh you know spent a lot of time and invested a lot in in educating their their users so um that's that's really helpful and and also just staying um you know kind of up to date in the the industry making sure you know i'm there's a few um a few blogs and stuff that that i, I follow um publications that i follow and and stay in touch with so that um, when new things come out, because I mean, the, the, the speed in which technology is evolving and um, it, it's, it's almost hard to comprehend. And if you're not in the know, you can, you can miss something by just being out of the loop for, you know, two weeks, like you could completely miss some major uh, Google algorithm update that uh, will affect all my websites. So I have to kind of be aware of those, of those changes and, and things that are happening. And so do you think that s small businesses can 
take advantage of these changes, these rapid, rapid changes in technology um, as much as a larger company who has a bigger budget? Do you think, you know, in uh, yeah, other I, words, is like, you, you know, are there ways to kind of level the playing field, even if you have a small budget and you're a small company, by using technology more effectively? Maybe that's a better way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. I mean, I think that's the problem that a lot of these big new tech companies are solving for small businesses that uh, you don't have to have, you don't need um, a huge budget, a huge budget to implement Google Analytics into your website and have access to the dashboard and then, and then learn, to, like, learn your website and how your users are using your website, just like a Fortune 500 company is looking at their website. I mean, there are obviously going to be tools that um, like different levels of tools, but um, they're, they're all tools aren't designed. These tools aren't designed for all businesses, right? Like, so for instance, the, I was having this conversation the other day, the difference between something like Marketo and HubSpot where HubSpot's CRM is designed much more for small businesses and, and, it's more user-friendly to teams that, um, that maybe aren't the most tech-savvy, but then you can upgrade to something. If your company is much bigger, you can upgrade to something like Marketo, that, which I'm not as familiar with because I, my clients are mostly smaller, but um, that is like you know $150,000 piece of software. But it, it really kind of does, I think, similar things to what HubSpot does, which you can get at a free, like there's a freemium version, mm -hmm. right? Like I don't pay for HubSpot, but I use parts of its tools um, to help me accomplish things in my business. And, and it's designed that way. So yeah, to, to your point, like it's very, it's actually very easy for a small business with a small team to be competitive um, by leveraging software. I mean, software as a service is, uh, is huge because you don't, you, you're, you can fill gaps in, in your team and your processes with software instead of hiring in-house people to do those things manually. Um, and so then I think like somebody, you know, somebody like me and my business is, is a really uh, effective way to, to fill, fill some of those gaps without, um, without having to hire a big marketing agency or something that they're not going to work for you for less than $10,000 a month type of thing, mm -hmm. you know? So there are ways to add freelancers into your, into your business and, and solve problems um, without the huge price tag. Right. And so when we think about, when you think about these tools, like what are some of your favorite tools? Cause I know you and I, like we talk about these yeah. tools all the time. So I have my favorite, you have your favorite. Some of those overlap. I think uh, just, I think there's certain tools that don't get mentioned that often that people take for granted, like all the cloud storage and document sharing tools that I use that we use like Evernote, but then, you know, that's what I use kind of like take notes and stuff and, and easily organize my, my thoughts and stuff. But then for sharing with people, I use uh, G drive all the time to be able to update documents on the fly with a team. I mean, I think that's something that was, uh, was like came into the came like Google and, and some, you know, other companies brought it into the, 
to the world. And then it, it was just such a natural thing that made sense um, that people, it, it, like it blew me away, but I, and now it's just built into everything we do. Um, without that sort of stuff, communicating with clients that are in Brooklyn or North Carolina or something, it, it makes it almost impossible. Um, so that opens me up to be able to, to effectively serve more clients. I think that's really important for my business. Um, and then, and then obviously all the open source software that I leverage for my clients. So WordPress, uh, is a big one. Um, and then I use open source, uh, frameworks like bootstrap and scale to really design beautiful experiences um and and websites for clients without having to start from scratch every time right i can i can start with a code base and then manipulate that code base um to fit the company's brand um it, it, it just gives me a, a big starting point um like a big head start on on every project that I don't know really what I would do without some of those things. Um, so I want to stop you there because I want to make sure yeah. that we differentiate something because I think this is really important. So you're talking about using open source um, to create websites, but when you uh -huh. create them and they're still in WordPress, your client can go in and manage it on their own. So they're, it's not like it's all... Um, custom coded so that somebody yeah. is completely reliant on you after it's done. Correct. Correct. Right, because I think that's really important to differentiate. It is really, it is really important, and I think what what I do, I think that's different than a lot of agencies or web designers, is that I actually I build a unique looking website and then uh, build WordPress into that. Um, to the, into that website. So then a, like you said, a user can come in or a client can come in and make changes to pages and, um, and WordPress allows them to do that, but they don't have, it doesn't look like a WordPress theme or website. Cause a lot of times a web designer will consult with the client and they'll look at a bunch of themes that are, have already been developed. And then they, you know, they pick one they like, and then they try to, fit their content into that theme. And it's almost like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, right? So like mm -hmm. the, the wet, like things look kind of wonky, like the text should fill up more space. Um, and then because it was a pre-built template, it's really hard to then, uh, or it makes it difficult for even a developer to go in and, and manipulate that, um, manipulate that template to then fit the content. I mean, it can definitely be done, but it's not as flexible as something that, you know, I come in and I look at what content we're going to be displaying on the website and then build a website around it and then add WordPress in at the end. So I almost do it in like reverse order because most clients will, or mo a lot of web designers will log into WordPress, go, f go to the theme store, download a theme and then put everyone's content put the client's content into that theme and it does it, it you can you can see it when you you get to a website and it just doesn't fit right um and i think that's these open source platforms allow me to to kind of reverse like do it in reverse order and that's better in the long run right because it's it's really like having a custom website but you get the um end product and you know when you're done 
they can still understand how to use it. So you still get the simplicity of really WordPress and the value of WordPress, but it feels a whole lot better for everybody. Yeah. 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 In the end, it's better for the user, really. Is um, Once again. Once again, kinda, the user. Yeah, once again. Yeah. It <laughs> right? always comes back to that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, name a couple of other tools. Like we're using, let's just talk about some of the tools that we're dropping in. And they're certainly not going to be for everybody, but Intercom. Like I love Intercom. I think Intercom is yeah. really cool. And so some people might be using Drift. We actually were using Drift. And then I forget why we switched over to Intercom because I think it integrated with another tool that we were using, right? So, well, yeah, I think IRAD, yeah. Yeah, and so that's part of the analysis that you have to do when selecting these tools is, like, what, what, are, what is the business case and uh, what are some of the other tools and that you have to make sure that the integrations um, exist for between these tools. So, for like you said, Intercom, Intercom, Intercom allows you to download uh, third-party apps, I think they call them, um, and IRAD has used Intercom. To, so IRAD is our tu the tutorial builder that we use, um, and so that integrated with Intercom so that a user could just click on the chat window on the bottom and search all of our IRAD tutorials through uh, just that little chat window, which makes it just, again, like, easier for the user to find what they what they need uh, to to learn a certain part of LinkedIn. Um, right. So that's why we we went with Intercom. I, I, I'm almost positive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as you were talking that through, I was like, "Yep, that's why we went with Intercom, right?" Because yeah, exactly. Sandeep Patel, who's the CEO of IRAD, was in conversation with us about their latest updates, telling us that they had a widget for Intercom. We're like, okay, well, we're using something else. He's like, well, if you use this, this is going to be better, once again, for your user, and right. it'll give you a whole lot more functionality in more places um, to highlight content. And then we, you know... We look at Inside and, and the main Intero website, enteroadvisory.com website, as kind of two separate entities, but they do interconnect a lot. Like we want to drive leads to Inside through the main Intero website because that's where all the, um, or the majority of the organic traffic is, is happening. And, uh, and then we use Intercom on both websites. Um, we use it for two really scenarios. One, for lead capture, when somebody comes and we can have a chat window pop up. I'm sure people have seen it on other websites. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of a nice greeting. Hey, you know, we're in Tara. If you have any questions, let us know. And then we can, if, if they start chatting with us, we can capture their user information and then leverage it um, when we want to market and uh, promote inside via email or, uh, or primarily email or, um, or other ways of, you know, contacting uh, potential leads. Um, and then we use it on the inside of inside for like client retention so that, you know, if somebody, or, or it's really a, a value proposition to inside is that you have experts there to chat with if you can't figure something out. Um, you know, it's like if you have, if you just don't fully comprehend a concept that your your content is trying to teach them about LinkedIn, they can just you know, pop in a, a quick chat, and then we can 
it, it allows us to stay um, in close contact to to those clients and serve them better. So it's really a really versatile tool that we've we've adopted and leveraged in different ways and are continuing to iterate on how we use it um, to make the websites more successful. Right, and the, you know the the other interesting thing is that these tools whether it's Slack or Trello or Intercom or Drift mm -hmm. or Elementor, which is something else we're using, they're always iterating their products, right? Because they have to continually stand out and differentiate or they're going to be disrupted, right? So it's this yep. sort of like cascading effect. So we get the benefit, like we know their core product, but they start um, connecting with one another because they know that they can create this like, like digital ecosystem and and but mm -hmm. so they're continually enhancing their product which gives us more ways that we can use their product so everybody's constantly really in this state of flux and to go back to what you said a few minutes ago you take your eyes off of this for a couple of weeks <laughs> Holy yeah. cow, right? Like you can really, you can miss a big update um, and you can kind of suddenly miss something that could be something you could be adopting that once again creates a, a, a another um, experience for your user. So it's this constant understanding, assessing, testing, reevaluating, and mm -hmm. keeping all of your technology moving forward so that you can better interact with your customers in the end, right? Exactly. So tell me um, some of your, if you had to think about something, a business truth that you've learned over the last couple of years as a business owner and certainly a young business owner, right? You're in mid to late twenties. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you worked, for HUD for a little bit, which was a yep. very different environment. So what, what's something that you've learned? One of the things I learned probably after like a year and a half is that um, the importance of people. So we've talked this whole time about these you know, disruptive technologies and um, digital uh, features that you can add into your business, but like you can't you can't always replace people, especially from a networking perspective. And as like a young, um, as a really young business owner, um, I'm behind. I was, I was behind in terms of like my, my connections with other business owners. And, um, once I joined, I joined insight, um, which is a local business peer advisory group. Um, that really kind of, that was the best thing I ever, it, I ever did for my business. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a new flashy CRM that I implemented. It was just having conversations with lo other local business owners that were going through the same issues that I was having and just being able to uh, like process them together and then, uh, and get recommendations. And then I think the other piece that it does is it, it holds you accountable to the things you talk about in these meetings. You know, if you, if you start talking about an issue that you're having and then next month you come back and you're still having the same issue, but if you didn't take any of the suggestions that other people had given you, it's your own fault. So like it, it, you want to come back next month and have at least tested those ideas that people have 
brought to you. Um, and, and, and ultimately that makes me a better business owner because I'm actually making, uh, real changes. And, uh, and just so the conversations and, just, and so just like the overall networking that I've had, um, the, the, the pleasure of, of meeting these business owners has been really, really kind of the biggest revelation for me. Um, that I think when I started my business, I didn't realize as much as I had heard it, um, you know, from my dad or uh, other people that had been, had been in business for so long, you don't really realize it. So you get out there and start doing it and trying to make, make it work. Like the people that I've built relationships with are by far the most valuable asset I have now. Um, you know, you being a great mentor for me and I think seeking out, seeking out mentors and, and, and having, you know, finding people that you're comfortable having bigger conversations with, I think from a business perspective, that's been huge for me. Well, I, I think that that's so true. That could take us down a whole other podcast conversation yeah. about that whole networking, <laughs> right? And and I appreciate it's easy to mentor somebody like you because you're so open minded and you're this natural like absorber of information and um, and you have done a very good job of turning your network into a referral engine. And to me, that mm -hmm. is, that's when you know you've got a good network, right? When suddenly right. you build this indirect sales team, if you will, right? And, and yeah. they're, uh, and they're helping connect you. So mm -hmm. when you do good work and you represent yourself well, turning that network into this powerful referral engine is the way mm -hmm. to go. And you're right, it is all about people. So tell everybody that's listening how they can find you, Matt. Tell us a little bit about your website and social yeah, channels. Yeah, so I have two website, websites up right now that explain what I do, and that's uh, mattcullity.com. Um, and that was the freelance website that I had built right off the, right off the bat to get going. Um, and that still exists, but then I built my uh, prosightly.com website um, because there are more people. It's not just me anymore. The free freelancer, Matt Cullity, the freelancer doesn't really make sense for what I do for, for businesses now. So uh, I needed to build a new brand and a new platform to, to work from. Um, so those are where you can find me on the internet or connect with me on LinkedIn, um, which I'm always trying to build and, yeah. And you have good insight on how to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Matt Cullity, Matt is M-A-T-T. Cullity is C is in cat, U-L-L-O-T-Y. And Prosightly is just like it sounds, P-R-O-S-I-T-E-L-Y.com. I love that. I, you know, it's not easy to find a URL. So Matt, like... <laughs> mashed up a couple yeah. words there, right? Like Matt's yeah, got a tool yeah. for that too, how to figure out how to name your new company. So if you're looking at coming yeah. up with a new company, finding a URL is super hard. Um, I encourage everybody yeah. to reach out, connect with Matt. Um, I can't speak enough about how working with Matt has changed how we think about our websites, how we approach updating our websites. And, um, and I, 
brought in three new people in 2018. And those three new people were definitely the three best decisions I made in 2018. And once again, I'm all about technology, but it was all about people. And Matt was one of them. So it's been so much fun talking. We're going to be back on another podcast in a couple of weeks, talking more about the actual building of insight inside. Wow. Um, I should know better. And we will talk to everybody soon. And Matt, thanks so much. We'll be back on together in a couple of weeks. Thanks for having me, Colleen. I look forward to it. And that's all for Indispensable. Thanks for joining us. We hope to catch you on our next episode. Grab our show notes, review them, check out the links included, and head over to interoadvisory.com to learn more about the work that we do in our community and with our clients. 